You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. All of a sudden, I see this figure, and it's a figure of a man, and he's coming up to the window, and and next thing I know, he's standing at the foot of the couch, and this figure is. Oh, like nine feet tall, and his head is down, his sl- shoulders are slouched, and I can't make out any distinct features of him. Everything is kind of bulbous and, and fuzzy. Um, and he, he's holding out his hand for me to take it. And I thought to myself, I'm not taking your hand. I know who you are. Uh, for, for some reason, I just knew this is grief. And and I'm not going, because in, in my mind, I was like, I know the company you keep, you know, and they're not good. And I'm not going to go down that road of, of all, all this depression and all, all this sort of thing. I'm just, I'm not going there. But he just waited. I remember I, I wasn't afraid. In fact, I was a little upset and I was, I was kind of challenging saying, you can stand there all you want. I'm, I'm not taking you, your hand. But then it was like time just stopped, and it was just taking forever, and so finally it was like, okay, fine, I'll take your hand. And the minute I touched him, we were on a street. Uh, we were in a town, and, and there were all these streets going in all these different directions. And I noticed that the streets had different names. One was Anger. And uh, one was depression, and, and, and so on and so on. And I looked down the street of anger, and uh, it, it was filled with houses with their lights on. There were no curtains on the windows, and you could see in everyone's house. And you could see all the strife and all the anger and bitterness, people accusing one another. And uh, But he didn't take me down that road. He took me down a totally different direction and we were going toward a city and as we got closer there was this back alley and the back alley was was it had dumpsters it had uh, doors kind of set set in away from from the lights so they they were all in the shade in the shadows and um, so I've got grief by the hand and and I'm walking down and all of a sudden up from behind me just felt like I got hit by a sledgehammer on the back of the head, got knocked to the ground, and all I could hear was, why didn't you? And it went through a list of things. Why didn't you uh, go visit him? Grief is is now, in, in a certain sense, my companion for the rest of my life because my life isn't ever going to be the way it was before Logan died. It just, it, it can't be. Brad's story is amazing, and we're going to show you the second part of that at the end of our time together today. I'd also encourage you to go watch the entire podcast on our website at myrwc.org. But that grief took him to some really 
dark places. And he was asking questions that our culture is asking. And that so fits with our series, God, Do You Care? And one of the issues people get, get caught up in and stumble on so much is Jesus. They have a problem with Jesus. And maybe it's not so much a problem with Jesus himself, but the truth about Jesus. Because it's very difficult to wrap one's mind around the fact that Jesus is this narrow road to heaven. But the fact is, God isn't accessible through any religion. And we can only have a relationship with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But people then ask, well, why did God make it that way? I mean, shouldn't it have been that we can choose and we have options, we like options? Well, that's the problem, or at least the perceived problem. God, if you care, then why is it so hard to find you? Why can't I find you through my own spiritual quest? Why can't I find you by sacrificing or doing penance? How do I have a relationship with you? And these are all really important questions because they decide eternal fates. And that's the question we're going to deal with today. God, if you care, why are you not accessible through any religion? But here's the thing. He's not. And the reason is, Jesus is the only one who has the power to save. He's the only one. So today I want you to internalize that. I want you to believe it and I want your Christian worldview and actions to reflect that belief. And we'll have a chance to stand together at the end of the service and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to sing that with all of your heart. So I'm going to take you to one verse this morning. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone or tablet or something, you can turn to Acts 4.12. And Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And it won't be long until we have Bibles back in those seatbacks. And thank you for bearing with us and giving us grace during this time of transition from masking to not masking, from distancing to not distancing. Um, It's been like a kind of to and fro from the CDC and the governor. So we're going day by day. So thanks for your grace in that. But our series is called, God, Do You Care? We live in a troubled world. Brad is an example of a man who's living in a troubled world, but he found a connection to God through grief. And we dealt with that. God, if you care, why do you allow evil? Why do you allow suffering? It doesn't make sense. Why did you allow a pandemic to grip the world? Why do you allow injustice? Well, today we deal with If you care, why are you so hard to find? And in Acts 4.12, the discussion about this topic starts and it ends with the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at it together, Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And here's the first point I want to make regarding this whole topic. And I'm going to defend this answer as we go, but how do you find God? It's through a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. It's by following Jesus. And that is the one way forward. Now, those of us who grew up in church, those of us who follow Jesus, would look at this statement and say, well, yeah. Yeah, we, we already know that. Well, sadly, it's not a no-brainer for a lot of people. According to a Pew Research poll, a majority of American Christians, 52%, believe that at least one non-Christian faith can lead them to heaven and eternal life. And among these Christians, 80% of them can name the religion that they're referring to. In other words, they've thought it through, and this is now their belief system. And just as shocking, a Barna poll in 2020 came out and and told us that a majority of people, majority of Christians, a little over 50%, say that you can gain eternal life through doing good works or being good. That's a majority. And so when you look at these kind of statistics, all of a sudden, this statement that Jesus is the only possible way to follow and reach God isn't so outlandish and isn't so mundane at all. Because not everybody believes this, even who call themselves Christian. But if you want to have an orthodox faith, if you want to be in the centerpiece of Scripture, you have to believe this because this is what the Bible is all about. God, if you care, why aren't you accessible by any religion and only through Jesus? We have to start by, by affirming that that is the case. Or we can't answer the question. It is the truth. This is what the Bible says. And this is where today's text comes in, in Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. Now, to put the context to this verse, it all starts to begin in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. Peter and John, they're out there being apostles. That's their job. They're apostling. Come upon this guy outside of the temple. It's a man that's had a disability for a long time. He's been there for a long time, and he's asking them for alms, for money. But the apostles come upon him, and God has bigger plans than that for this man. And so we see what happens here in Acts 3, beginning in verse 6, if you want to look there with me. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So you have all of this noise and clamor in the temple. And then Peter begins to speak because he had gotten the attention of the crowd This miracle had drawn their attention, but it also drew the attention and the ire of Jewish leaders. And so they didn't like this at all. They threw the apostles in jail. Meanwhile, through this event, 5,000 people 
came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. 5,000. Don't you just long for a revival like that? Don't you just long for people just to flood into the kingdom? And that's exactly what was happening here. So they get out of jail, they continue to preach Christ, and this statement in Acts 4.12 then is the, the pinnacle, the encapsulation of their message. The, the man walked because of the immense power of the name of Jesus, and in front of these Jewish leaders, it was proof that that name could save Israel. And the Jewish leaders didn't like that because they're all about the law. And Peter's assertion was shocking. And that hasn't changed. It's still shocking today. Most people don't believe this. But because of their unbelief, these Jewish leaders led so many people to destruction. Theologian F.F. Bruce wrote about this incident. He said that those who observed the miracle were learning that there is no saving health in anyone else. To one alone belongs the title, the Savior of the world. That's that's amazing statement, and it's so true. That's what this miracle was all about. The sequence of events leading up to 412 proves that you can only meet God through Jesus because he's the only one that can heal and save. He has the authority to do that. But then someone could say, well, why Jesus? Why did it have to be this way? And if God cared, why can't I find heaven in a variety of ways? Maybe I like Jesus, but I also like Buddha, and I also like all these gods over here in Hinduism. That's a great question. And the answer is because Jesus is the only one that has the authority to save. No other person can say that. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what God said. And that brings me to my next point. If Jesus wasn't the only way, God would either be cruel or incompetent. If Jesus isn't the only way, then God is not relevant. He lies. And the Bible is very clear regarding the Father's plan of redemption. He sacrificed his own son in order to make this pathway possible. Now, in a verse that many times we gloss over because we learn it when we were little kids, paints a clear picture of the price the Father paid to sacrifice His own Son. It's a powerful verse. It sums up the Bible and the argument of the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's the gospel. That's the pathway. And so, if this is true, if indeed that God gave His Son, but if Jesus really isn't the only pathway, then God sacrificed His Son for nothing. There's no rhyme or reason to it. That makes Him either cruel or incompetent. Jesus died for no reason. It's like the worst redemptive plan ever, and, but that's not the way God is. He isn't cruel. He wouldn't do that. He is a God of love. And he gave his son for a reason. He was acting out of the motive of love. He looked down on the people that he had created. And he knew that sin had infected each one of us. 
and wanted to make a way that we could be saved and offered his own son who he had been in relationship with for all of eternity as the sacrificial lamb in order to pay the price, the penalty for all of our sin, the ugliness of our sin. And so that's the pathway. There is no other choice. There is no other option but to receive forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. And a loving God wouldn't needlessly allow his son to be killed. He wouldn't have done this kind of a plan. And that's why religious pluralism cannot be true. You can't hold a biblical worldview and also walk over here and go like, yeah, but we can add in a couple of other ways. Like apparently a majority of Christians have done now. Because a loving God experienced deep pain by watching his son tortured on a cross, hung on a cross, dying on a cross. He had to turn away because the ugliness of sin. But that was the plan. That's the pathway. And if all religions lead to God, then Jesus died for nothing. Just take the cross down. can only meet God by submitting to Jesus because God is love. He wouldn't have sacrificed his son if it wouldn't have been absolutely necessary. It had to happen that way. And because Jesus did pay the price for sin, and because he is the son of God, that makes him the only person in the universe who's qualified to save anyone. Thus the answer to the question, God, if you care, why aren't you more accessible, is this. It's because Jesus and Jesus alone has the authority to offer eternal life. And this is so important that we grasp this and believe this and live our lives by this truth. Because more and more, it's going to come under fire. Pretty soon, it's going to be called hate speech. If it hasn't already. And so, either you believe it or you don't. Today, I'm trying to defend it so you'll believe it. It'll affect your worldview And if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, now is the time to do that. Now remember the tie-in between Acts 4.12 and this statement that there's salvation in no one else and the healing at the foot of the temple. It's all tied together because that healing was meant to show that the name of Jesus, and remember the language there, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. It's meant to show that that is the only name that can save that man, that can save Israel, and that can save you. That's the the point of the miracle. Yes, it was wonderful for the man. He danced and skipped. I do it all the time at home. I dance and skip around the house. But, But this person had never been able to do that before. But the point of it really was to show everyone that Jesus' name is the one that saves and nowhere else. And I think it was especially pointed at these Pharisees who had the law all down. We can get there by the law. Sadly, according to the Barna poll, a majority believe you have to do good works to get to heaven. So they're, the Pharisees of our time are winning that battle. But where does this authority come from? If I say that Jesus has the authority to save, how did he get it? Well, the Bible says, It comes directly from the Father. In the Great Commission, sadly, most Christians don't know this either, 
I'm giving you all kinds of bad poll information. I'll, I'll come up with a nice poll next time. All right, Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, not some authority, partial authority, kind of authority, all authority on heaven and on earth, the universe has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he wants us to do. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, by the way, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. That's a, that's a great promise. All authority has been bestowed on Jesus Christ by the Father. This is his good gift to his Son. This is what happened when Jesus was glorified after he had done his ministry on earth. Matthew eleven twenty seven tells us this, that all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Look at this relationship. It's a oneness. The Father knows the Son. The Son knows the Father. The Father looked at his Son. And he gave him authority and kingship over a vast kingdom. And and guess what? Because you're a believer, if you are, then you get to inherit that kingdom. You get to reign with Christ. And your name is written down. And you'll be there. It's awesome. But here's the other thing about Jesus. It's not just that there's this man over here that God said, I like you. Here's everything. I'm going to give it to you. No. Jesus is God himself. And that gives him inerrant authority. In John 1, 1 through 4. Or say, say, actually, um, that's right. John 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word, of course, is Jesus. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What does this say? It says that before the beginning of time, in all of eternity, Jesus has been, is, and always will be, because he is God, and that gives him inerrant authority to save whom he pleases. And no one else can make that claim. You can read about Gandhi, you can read about Buddha, you can read about Muhammad, none of these religions make that kind of a claim. It's an amazing claim. But you see, this is what happened. Jesus completed his redemptive plan. He ascended to the Father, where now he reigns at the right hand in heaven of the Father where he belongs. But soon, he's coming back for us. And I know what happens. Every time you read a news site, you're saying, come Lord Jesus, now. But you know what? Maybe we should change that a little bit to let's get as many people saved as we can, Lord, before you come. Because they're facing eternal destruction. But make no mistake about it, the authority of Jesus is wide-ranging and it's, it's, it's owned by no man. In John 17, 2, you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So he has all authority to do that. There is no one else on heaven and earth that can do that. Now, many people are being convinced that there are multiple roads to heaven. 
Many Christians are being convinced that there are many ways to find God. Many Christians are walking away from their faith. Don't buy the lie. Stick to Scripture. Because the Father designed this path by giving the life of His Son. Here's the truth then. Jesus paid the price for your sin. The price that you should have paid. And so, again, this difficult question, God, if you care, why aren't you more accessible? Is because Jesus is the only one who has the power to save. And, and let me just summarize the defense of that so maybe you can, when you're at work or school tomorrow, jot a couple of notes, maybe you're going to have this discussion with someone. So here's how to defend it. First, if Jesus wasn't the only way to God, then sending his son to earth would have been meaningless. It means that the father is either harsh, incompetent, or irrelevant. You know, most of our culture, they don't hate Jesus. They just think he's irrelevant. But what they do hate is when you say, yeah, he's the only way. Nobody likes that. And that's why the apostles all went to jail. But it's defense of that that's important because this perfect plan was made possible by the death of Christ. And that plan is perfect. And I would also say that Jesus is the only person in the universe that has the authority to save. And his authority is a gift from the Father, but it's also inherently in him because he is fully and absolutely God. And then Jesus is the one who paved the way because he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay for your sin. He paid penalty, and his actions didn't fit that at all. He didn't commit a crime. And so he is the only way. Submitting to Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other way. There is no other pathway. You can try, but it won't work. And so then the question becomes this. Will you access the road to salvation that God has laid out for you? In other words, what are you going to do with this information? Where are you going to go with it? Is your life going to change it all? Because here are the facts. You were born a sinner. The Bible paints a picture that because we are descendants of Adam and Eve, we are we are scarred with inherited sin. Which is why we had to have a virgin birth for Jesus because he skipped over that sinful line. And because of your sin, you're separated from God. And the only way to be reconciled to him because God cannot coexist with sin is through a relationship with Christ. Why? Because he's already paid for your sin. And we sang a song earlier about wearing the righteousness of Christ. We literally then, the Bible uses it metaphorically saying, we wear the righteousness of Christ. Not our own. And one day when it's time for us to enter heaven, I don't know how that works. But I will say this, that the Father will look on you with joy because you are wearing the righteousness of His Son. And guess what? You didn't earn it. But isn't that wonderful? And by believing in Jesus, this can happen. Your sins will be forgiven. And, and it's not just heaven. It's now. You can have a new life. Man, when I interviewed Brad, 
Here's a guy that had been through the ringer. They found hope on the other side because Jesus was transforming him, even in the midst of a terrible tragedy. And so by following Jesus, not only will you know that you'll be in heaven when you die, but your life can be transformed as well. So I would just ask you this morning to stop fighting God. Stop analyzing all of his methodology and take advantage of the gift. The gift that's sitting there waiting for you to unwrap it. Yes, it's a narrow road, but the road is available. So give your life to Christ. Tell him you're sorry for your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Say, I want to follow you. And for, for you Jesus followers, don't, don't just sit back and, and smugly feel like, well, I already got this. I found the answer. Number one, you really didn't. You were called by the Father in his good grace. And number two, this is an opportunity to pray for a passion to go out and tell other people that Jesus is the only way. If it's true that people are out there with all of this pluralistic ideas of Christ and religion and heaven, then it's up to us to put them straight. And here's, you know, like what I've done, I'm not a fancy person. I'm not very bright. Ask Wendy. So when I'm sitting with somebody in a restaurant, and I think we're going to be allowed, what are the restaurants? That's where you eat, right? We're going to be allowed to go back. So I'd be sitting there, with someone, and it came time to share the gospel, I'll just pull out a napkin and do the old four spiritual law thing. Here's a fork and a knife. The knife is you, the fork is God. There's a huge gap here. You can't get across without Jesus Christ. That's basically the gospel. And you know what people do? They go, oh, I understand that. Because it's not very complicated. Now, you can't open their eyes. You can't make them believe, but you can share. And so I would ask you to share. I would ask you to find your one person or your friends and go out there and share. Here's the other thing I would ask of you is to live a life of gratitude. You didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. But Jesus somehow saw fit to bring me to the kingdom. So God is only accessible through Jesus Christ. Why did God make it? so that he can only be accessed through Jesus Christ, it's because Jesus is the only one who has the authority and the power to save and transform your life like Brad in his amazing story. And here's just a snippet of the end of his story. Every time I tried to get up, I'd get hammered again. And I'd end up, I'd end up down on that pavement. And I remember looking up, and grief is just standing there waiting for me. But I looked past him, and I saw way down at the end of this uh, alleyway, there was light. And as I really looked, I could see in that light, it was a park, and the sun was shining. It wasn't nighttime. And there were kids laughing and playing. And, and I... I realized that's where grief is leading me. None of these other things would lead me there. And I realized grief isn't my enemy. Grief is, is now, in, in a certain sense, my companion.
Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.